Praise God. Psalm 42. And as you're turning to that, to that scripture there, sometimes life is just hard. Sometimes life is just hard. It can have challenges that starts with a disappointment. And then if that disappointment goes unchecked, then it spirals downward into what's called discouragement that is often very hard to get past. Okay? So many times life can be hard. Life can bring things our way that we're not expecting or not prepared for. And, but however, if, if that disappointment goes unchecked, then it spirals down to the place that is called discouragement. And discouragement then is very hard to get past. And this is a scheme that is used by Satan with all of us. Because Satan knows that when we are discouraged, we will not be the person that God desires us to be. You see? So it's one thing to be disappointed because something in life hasn't gone the way you expected it to be or the way you wanted it to be. But if you just dwell on it and let it sit there and fester, then you, you get discouraged. And that's when Satan loves to have a Christian, a child of God, in a place of discouragement because then we stop trying. Then we kind of give up. Then we can't fulfill what God wants us to do in our lives. So today we're going to talk about discouragement and how to, I'm sorry, disappointment first, and then and how to deal with disappointment. So reading with Psalms, first of all, of all, let's look at some of this disappointment from the Word of God's point. Um, Psalm 42, starting with verse number 1. As the heart pants after the water brooks, a heart is a deer. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude, they kept holy day. So going back to verse number 2 there, it says, My soul thirsteth for God. Please underline that, because your soul should always be thirsting, thirsting for God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Please put a bracket around number 3. When there is a disappointment that comes into your life, and particularly, you know, usually most disappointments are... <laughs> disappointing. That's why it's called that. It isn't something that's a cheerful thing. But when you're in that condition, it is very much like what the scripture says there, um, uh, that uh, my tears, because you're in distress, are, have been my food day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? And when you're in a state of disappointment and things are going wrong, many times you do wonder at first initially, God, where are you? You know, where are you? Where have you been through this, uh, through this whole process? Then continuing here, I want to jump down to verse number 8. Jump down to verse number 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. This is in the line. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him, 
who is the health of my countenance and my God. Please underline who is the health of my countenance and my God. So while we may be feeling, you know, like we, when that, this woman comes about us, you know, our tears, as it's saying, is food for us night and day. It's because you're worrying and you're distressed about whatever's going on. But the bottom line, you know, we need to remember, hope thou in God, verse number 11, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. So when that disappointment comes in, the first thing we have to remember is that God is our hope. God is our countenance. God is our health. You know, so we can't let that, that disappointment start getting a hold of us. We're going to look at a whole lot more scriptures because, again, where the devil wants you to be is if he can get you disappointed pointed in something and so that to the, to the point that you really, really dwell on it, then it spirals down until it becomes discouragement. And that's when we give up as Christians and we stop uh, following what God would want us to do. All right, let's go to Psalm 91. Good old song, everyone, Psalm, everyone should pretty much know what that's all about, but I want to read it in context, in the context of uh, disappointment and how it should play into us. Um, disappointment will often make us feel vulnerable, okay, and unsure of what to do next. When you feel disappointed in something, a lot of times you kind of throw your hands up, now what? I mean, that didn't happen. Now what? Now what do I do? And that makes you feel vulnerable, and you don't know what the next step is. This psalm tells us where we need to take shelter, and that it is the strong and, and secure place of the Most High God, is the rock and the fortress that we can rely on daily. So Psalm 91, verse 1 here. He who, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Okay? So when that disappointment first, first comes into us, the first thing we need, need to remember, that where am I going to go? I'm going to go into the secret place of the Most High. You know, and dwelling there is, is, is living. It's not just going there for a visit. So when that thing comes in, you say, all right, right, right away now. If I'm outside of the shelter of God here, let me run back into it spiritually. Let me run back into the, into the safety of the Lord. And then remember saying to yourself in verse number two, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. So whatever disappointment there is going on in your life, you have to know that you can trust in God, whatever that thing is. Say, okay, I, I got to regroup. Remember, the thing we don't want to happen is for that disappointment to spiral down to the point where we just get so discouraged we give up. So it's like throwing cold water on your face. Okay, let me regroup here now. Let me run back to God and knowing that I can trust in God and that while I'm dwelling in God, with God, I'm going to be safe from whatever is coming down because you don't know what to do. At the time that disappointment hits you, you don't really know what to do. Many, many times you sit there and you kind of say, now what? I mean, that didn't pan out. Now what? Amen? So we have to regroup and run back into the safety of God. And then it says in verse number three, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Please underline snare of the fowler. And from the noise and pestilence. And you have to understand, and as we talked in Bible study, we were talking about the armor of God and the wiles of the enemy, the tricks of the enemy, you know, uh, uh, the things that, that, that get us, the things that throw negativity into our lives, a lot of times it, it, it's a plot. It's a ploy of the devil to get us off center, to get us off center from God, to get us off base with God, to throw us you know, out of kilter. You know? So we have to remember now that this, whatever this disappointment is, I'm not going to let this thing dwell in my life because it's a part of this, it's a snare. I can get, get trapped into this if I'm not careful. So we run back into the safety of God. Okay? Now go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, okay, Jeremiah 29, oftentimes 
our disappointment is tied into our plans that did not happen the way we envisioned them to be. Okay? Um, disappointment, if you stop and think about it, is because something didn't pan out the way you wanted it to pan out. I mean, it's not rocket science. But if something, you know, you're planning, gee whiz, you know, um, when I get my income tax check, I'm going to go out and buy that red Ferrari. <laughs> you know? And guess what? The income tax check comes back and it's $3. You know? And you say, oh boy, what a disappointment that was. Okay? So it did not work out the way you planned it to be the way you envisioned it. So we have hopes of a new job. You have hopes of a new house or new car or whatever this new direction might be. And when they don't happen, we often get downcast and we doubt that God has a plan for us. See, that's what happens. We, when things don't pan out, we say, oh, gee, that didn't work out. We start doubting whether or not God had a plan for us. But, but however, God's plans are better than our plans, even though we often don't believe that this is the case. So even though something does not work out the way you want it, want it to work out, the way you thought it should work out, uh, God's plans are always better. So let's go to Jeremiah 29, and we go to verse number 8. 29, verse number 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners who are in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely, uh, falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, said the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, after seventy years are accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you, in causing you to return even unto this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you um, the expected... Thoughts of evil to give you an expected end. Please in the line, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Verse 12. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Please in the line, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places to which I have driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you again into the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Okay? So where it says there, um, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end when that disappointment comes into your life and things don't work the way that you think they should have worked out remember that God is saying to you is that you know God has a plan for you God has a plan for you just because you did not see or, or didn't come into your life what you thought was going to happen based on your plans and whatever you were putting together, God has a plan for you, all right? And so we know that if God has a plan for us, God is telling us, he's reminding us here, he says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, you see? So if whatever we're praying for and hoping for doesn't pan out, doesn't work, then we have to know that God's plan, because he doesn't think evil towards us, that things are indeed going to be good, all right? And he says, then you shall call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Okay, now underline with all your heart there because the key is that when that disappointment comes into your life and you're praying to God and you're seeking him, you got to be seriously seeking him, you know. You just don't say, okay, Lord, I'm so disappointed, you know, I didn't get that car or I didn't get this or so-and-so didn't do this and you're seeking him. you got to go there with all your heart seriously saying, Lord, help me. You know, what is it that I'm doing wrong here or, or what is the next step? I mean, since this didn't happen and I was so sure, you know, because... 
if you weren't sure, if you were, if you weren't sure that this thing was going to happen, if you didn't think it was all tied up with a neat bow, oh yeah, this is a done deal. I got this in the bank, you know, not literally the bank, but I got this thing. It's accomplished or whatever, you know. Those are the things when they don't come to pass. Those are the things that are really disappointing to you. Okay, really disappointing, whatever that might be. So then kind of, you know, almost instinctively, we as human beings start thinking, oh, boy, now what next? You know, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to help? You know, and, and if you're really, really sincere about wanting God to help me and you say you seek him with all of your heart, God says that he'll answer you. All right? He'll answer you. So, again, now what we're looking at here is how to check that disappointment before it spirals down and becomes discouragement. Because once you get to the point of discouragement, that's when you give up and you stop serving God. You stop even praying to him, okay? So right away then, the thing doesn't happen, you call upon God, and it says that he will hearken to you, because God's plans are better than our plans. Let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. You know, you've got to think about disappointment from, who, from whose perspective is that disappointment. You know, is it yours? Matthew 28. Okay. And the words of Jesus are always reassuring, but never more so than in this great commission when he was sending the people forward um, at the end of this book of Matthew. He reminds us that he is with us always, and not some of the time, even most of the time, but always. Okay, this verse here helps us to regain perspective whenever you face disappointment. So really, uh, starting with verse number 19, this is when he's sending forth the, um, the, the, uh, the disciples. Um, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have. Did I say verse 19? Yeah, verse 19. 20, 28 verse 19, sorry. I'll start again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Please in the line, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So that disappointment comes in here. But then remember, though, if God's plans are better than your plans, remember that Jesus is with us. He didn't say that I will be with you sometime. He didn't say I will be with you most of the time. But in this disappointment that you're experiencing, well, I'm sorry, you're kind of on your own. No, God is not saying that at all. Jesus is saying that I am with you until the end of the age, which is to the end of time. Amen. Amen. So we have to again remember that. Okay, I'm disappointed, but I'm not going to let this thing discourage me because God is still here with me. And then furthermore, whatever this thing that I missed out on or didn't get, God has a plan, you know, and it may be a reason even why this thing didn't come to pass. I don't know. I don't know, but I know that God has a plan. Okay. All righty. Romans 28. Romans 8. Sorry. Romans 8. Romans 8. Okay, now this is a verse that reminds us that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God the Father loves us so much and has a plan for each of us. We're, every single one of us is important to him. You know, every, every single one of us is important to God. 8, uh, 28, Romans 8, verse number 28. Okay, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. 
Okay? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Either put a bracket around that verse or highlight it all. Okay? And at the time that you have that disappointment, you know, it may not seem that it's a good thing because you had your heart so set on it. But you have to realize, though, that all things work together for all of us that love and follow God. Okay? So you have to be convinced in your spirit that even though this thing didn't come to pass or this didn't happen, I'm a child of God. Jesus said that he's always going to be with me. So whatever is happening, whatever this thing is that now seems to be so disappointing, it's going to work out for good. Why? Because I love God. You see? You see, and if you can remember that and always keep that in your heart and in your spirit, and, and, and it's hard when that thing, that disappointing thing comes into your life because you wanted it so much you were holding on to it. And you may, may wonder, well, gee, how is this going to work together for good? Well, this is God. This is God. We're not talking about another man. We're not talking about my having faith or trusting in another human being and it didn't work out and then trying to figure out how that human being is going to fix things. This is God. Now, in the first place, God knows the future. God knows where you are and God knows where you're going. So whatever that disappointment is, if God lets it be a disappointment, you just have to remember that God is there to fix it and to correct it and to bring you to the place that he wants you to be. God's plan for us might not always be our plan. But if it's God's plan, it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing. I don't care what it looks like in our eyes as human beings. If God has a plan for us, and that plan, if God's plan comes to pass in our life, it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing, you know. The trouble is we human beings, obviously, we live in this physical, physical um, dimension, and things in this dimension are very transitory. Things are, 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 are not, not eternal, you know. They're, they're, they're moving, and things are changing. And God is in charge of every single change that's in our life. But the beauty of God is that God knows the end game. God knows how long we're going to be here. He knows how old we're going to be. He knows the children that we have, the grandchildren that we're going to have. God knows where you're going to wind up living. God knows when you're going to move, you see. But we as human beings, we make plans for our lives. Now, God wants us to plan for our lives. God said to go forth and have dominion over the earth and so on. So God does not want us to sit on our couches or lay in bed all day just sitting back and let God, okay, God, orchestrate my next move. Okay, brush my teeth, Lord. Put on my socks, Lord. You know, we have some, we have some skin in the game. God expects us to do some things. But as we navigate this life, though, what God is looking to us is to surrender our lives to him every single step of the way. So whatever, whatever it is that we're planning for, we're planning to do this, we're planning to do that. You know, and sometimes, sometimes it's a little easier, even though because we are, are, are older in age, you know, and I'm saying as you, as you progress through life, you know, and you become more senior in years and so forth. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but sometimes it's easier for us because we look back on the years and look where God moved us through our youth, you know, and see the moves and the transitions that we made where you wound up living in one part of the state or moving here or moving there. You know, when someone came into your life, someone went out of your life, the kids come along and they grew, the challenges that you went through in school with the kids, and you can see that God's hand was on your life every single step of the way. So sometimes it's a little easier for us who are a little more mature because we've learned to really trust God. You know, and for younger people it might be more of a challenge, okay? But uh, Sister Kathy sitting here nodding. She knows exactly what I'm saying. And Sister D knows exactly what I'm saying about that. And so I can just say to you that you've got to learn to trust God because while you can't see it yet, God has, has his hand on you. 
God has his hand on you, you know, and he's planning your life. He's planning your life. And everything that you want out of life might not exactly come out the way you want it to be or the way you think it should be, but I guarantee you that God's way is going to be better. God's way is always going to be better. And when you look back retrospectively and you think back on the years and you can see, you say, "Uh uh-huh, so that's why that didn't happen. So that's why that didn't materialize. So that's why that person was taken out of my life. You know, that's why that person went on and so on like that. Because God has a plan for you, you know. And the more you can just relax on that, when disappointments come into your life, you check it right away. You, you, you say, I'm not going to let this thing get to the point that I'm totally discouraged. Because then that's when you give up. That's when you wind up, ultimately, if you aren't careful, you turn your back on God. Okay, and that's where Satan would love to have. Remember I said a few minutes ago in starting here that the, the, the trans Transition from disappointment to discouragement is a satanic plan because if he can bring you from the point of dis- disappointment, which is temporary, to discouragement, that becomes more permanent in that you wind up giving up and you say, I'm totally discouraged. Why am I in this thing called Christianity? God's not helping me, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Amen? So you have to remember and realize that, that, that whatever God has in terms of a plan is going, going to be better off for you. Okay? And just remember that all things work work together for good um, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Please underline for them who are called according to his purpose. At some point, everyone that is sitting here in the sanctuary realized that I need God in my life. If that was not the case, you would not be sitting here today. You'd be finding a whole lot, thing, not a whole lot of other things to do on this beautiful Sunday morning. Those of us who regularly come back to church, it's because of the fact at some point you realized that God has a purpose for you and you're looking for God. You're looking for answers and you're searching. When that scripture says to them who are called um, according to his purpose, you're, you're sitting here because whether you realize it or not, you gave in to the call of God. Okay? You felt that you wanted God in your life, which is a good thing, okay? But that did not happen all by itself. It happened because Holy Spirit was calling to you. Holy Spirit has been quietly calling every single one of us from the times that time that we're little. You know, Holy Spirit is calling to us, wooing us, come unto me, come unto me. Then when we get to the age, you know, that we realize what's happening and we say, you know, okay, Lord Jesus, will you make that, you know, that, that prayer, prayer of salvation? Okay, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe you're the Son of God and so on. And you say that prayer, accepting Jesus, asking him to come into your life. That's when you intellectually understand and spiritually understand that you, you, you want God into your life. And that's because of this scripture here, because you've been called according to his prayer purpose. Every single one of us sitting in the sanctuary has a purpose in life. And there's a plan that God has for your life. Every single one of us has a ministry in life. Once you become a child of God, that does not mean that we're all called to be pastors. does not mean that we're all called to be teachers. Okay? But we're all called for some reason. Okay? And you have to believe that, that. That you are here, you're sitting in that chair because God has called you. Thank God you surrendered to that call. You gave in to that, that call. But it, and it's all been for his purpose, all right? You don't know where you're going to be in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You don't know how you may be standing before a congregation someplace. You don't know. You know, you, you don't know whether you'd be, you wind up teaching someplace or just standing in front of a conversation or talking to someone and you're ministering to them in terms of telling them about your life and how God has worked in your life. You see, God has a purpose. 
You can't see it now. You, you really can't see it, okay? Because we human beings, obviously, we don't know the future, you know, and we are kind of short-sighted. But if you can get to the point, though, of really, 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 really believing that everything that's happening to me, both good and challenging, both good and challenging, is being permitted by God and orchestrated, okay? And God will take the things in our lives that are negative and turn it around for something that is good, all right? And you have to realize that God has a plan. I don't care what it is. I don't care how disappointing it seems right now. God has a plan, all right? And he said that if you seek me, you diligently find me and seek, you seek me, say, so you shall find me. You shall find me, okay? So we don't let, the, let this disappointment just rise up in our lives to the point that we just give up and say, oh, boy, here I go again. I've been kicked in the teeth or whatever and let down and all this sort of thing, and it didn't work out, you know. You run to God. You run to him, okay, and realize that God has a plan and he has a purpose, all right? But you have to seek him. And just remember that even out of this thing, all things work together for good to them that love God. You see? You see? And I've had many disappointments in life. And, and when I read this kind of thing, and you sit there and I say, boy, Lord, you say all things work together for good. How can this work together for any good, for crying out loud? You know, I mean, gee was, you know, the, the, the floor was just, the rug was pulled out from under me. How can this work out for good? Okay? And what God said to me, says, because of the fact that you love me. Because of the fact that you love me. And, say, and I am bigger than that disappointment. God is greater than that disappointment. Okay? All right? So to us, you know, our, menial, our, our little mini minds and whatnot, you know, we see this thing and it seems so insurmountable, like we can't beat this thing. How is this thing going to be fixed? How, how can I come out of this okay? God has a plan. Okay? And trust me, if God, trust the word of God, I should say, you know, if God can create the universe... If God can create the universe, if God create the universe, if God can do all that he's done, he can fix whatever it is that that disappointment is making you feel. Amen? Amen? So we see there then that God has a plan that all things work together for good for those that love him. Okay? Um, let's go to Philippians 4. Okay, the whole thing here is realizing and understanding these words. And, and, and I, I know, I mean, I, you know, don't think that, you know, again, just because I'm up here preaching and, and everything and um, um, that disappointments don't come up in my life, the same thing happens. I mean, I'm a human being. You know, I'm still very much tied to the physical world. Okay, I'm not home with the Lord yet, you know, and, and, and so forth. Uh, so, so therefore, the, the devil throws things and curves into my life as well as yours. You know, and so disappointments come along. But we have to quickly regroup, quickly regroup so that that disappointment doesn't become a permanent discouragement. Okay, Philippians 4, and let's do 6 and 7, which you're all familiar with. Now, let's, let's go back to number 4. Go up to number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Okay, one of the things that is so challenging is if you're feeling disappointing, disappointment is to rejoice. But rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Um, to, uh, to all men, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious or careful. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, please in line, in everything. In everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, underline thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All right? Now, we've been here several times uh, for different reasons. But it says, but don't worry or take care for anything, but in everything, no matter what it is, no matter how trivial that disappointment may seem, uh, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. So when you're praying to God, you also don't forget to thank Him. 
You know, thank Him. You even thank God in times of challenge. Praise God in times of challenge. Rejoice in the Lord in times of challenge. Amen? Amen. Because by you praising God and rejoicing, that is also sending a message to the devil that you're still having faith in God, that you're still, you're still enjoying His presence and being around Him. All right? So bring those things with supplication and thanksgiving and let your request be made known unto God. Okay, Lord. I've got this disappointment here. I thought so-and-so was going to happen. I thought I was going to go here. I thought this was going to, going to come about, you know. All right? But, Lord, I praise you and I thank you and, and I trust you. So, but, Lord, what I need to know, since this didn't happen, then how am I going to do this? I need a way, Lord, to do this. I need a way to do that. I thought that this thing was going to happen. I thought this person was going to be there. Now that that is going to happen, Lord, I have a need. I have a need. And this is my request. This is my request. So you let God know exactly what's going through your heart and through your spirit. And then you give it to him. And he said there, be anxious or be careful for nothing. All right? And then verse number 7, and the peace of God which passes all stand, all understands, will keep your hearts in mind. Now, if you can get to the point where that disappointment, and you can articulate to God exactly what that disappointment is... But the trick, the trick there is that while you can say that God knows what my disappointment is, God wants us to articulate it to him. So in prayer, with thanksgiving, your supplication, what you're asking God for is this. Lord, I thought so-and-so was going to happen. I thought this was the case was going to happen. Now that this did not happen, Lord, what is it that I should do? What, what is it that I can do? Tell me, Lord, guide my feet. Guide my feet. You know, you know, because, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Since this didn't happen, I cannot figure it out, okay? You were praying for that car, for you to get to work every single day. All of a sudden, the car didn't materialize for whatever reason. The loan wasn't approved or whatever. You don't have that car, so you wind up going to God. Okay, Lord, I didn't get the car loan. I can't buy that car, Lord, but I praise you. I worship you, and I trust you, Lord. Tell me, how am I going to get to work? Tell me this. How am I going to get to work? I can't figure out how this is going to get to work, how, how this is going to work out. So I give it to you, okay? Then knowing and believing that you love God and God said that all things work together for good. And then you say, Lord, I'm going to let, let you figure it out. Come Monday morning. This is Friday. Come Monday morning. I have no way of getting to work unless you work it out. You work it out. If you can get to the point that you can trust God that much where you can't even see how you're going to get to work on Monday morning and you just give it to him. If you can truly, 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 truly in your heart of hearts just simply give it to God and not worry about it, there will be a peace that will come upon you. There will be this peace that comes upon you that you won't be able to understand. And don't try. Trust me. You get that kind of peace, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. All I know is that I'm not worrying about it anymore. I'm resting back here that, that come somehow between Friday and, and, and Monday or Sunday night, God's going to do something to get me to work. I didn't get that car, so I'm just going to sit back and let God worry about it. Let God deal about it. And that's when this peace and tranquility will come upon you because you won't be struggling trying to figure out how it's going to happen. You see? Because otherwise, if you don't, Again, getting back to the spiraling down to discouragement, you will get so discouraged and the devil will be there whispering to you, see what I tell you. First of all, you prayed for that car. car. You prayed for that thing to happen to your God. And what did your God do? This is Satan now. What did your God do? 
Did your God give you that car? God knows you got to get to work on Monday, but God doesn't care about you. He's going to let you not get to work, and then guess what? You're going to get fired. And because you're going to get fired, guess what? You're going to lose the house. And then next thing you know what? You're going to be sleeping under the bridge. <laughs> okay, and it goes down and down and down and down and down. And then Satan brings back again. You see, this is what you're, you're trusting in, in that God, but he didn't come through to you. So then you just get so discouraged, you throw your hands up. This is it. I'm tired. I'm not going to pray anymore about it. That's it. I just got to figure out what I'm going to do. And then you come up with some plan which is more disastrous than anything else in the world. Okay, because you're trying to fix it. And then you just kind of give up on God and you turn your back. That's discouragement. And then when God, when, when the devil has gotten you to that point, then you are no longer any good to God. Okay? So we can't let disappointment downward spiral into discouragement. Because if the devil can get you to that place, then you're no longer any good for God. You're not, you're not going to be carrying out God's will for him in, um, in, in your life. Disappointment will often lead us down the path uh, or, worry of being, uh, or worry of being anxious. God tells us to pray and make our requests known to him. He wants us to think about him and talk to him, to him about everything, not just a few things or the important things, but everything. Amen. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Sometimes we will work hard and not be rewarded and will fall into a state of disappointment. This can happen at our workplace, whether we are in a Christian ministry or work in a secular environment. God tells us to work for him and not just for our bosses. That this perspective will give you reward in knowing that your hard work is not unnoticed, but recognized by the Almighty God and will bring you great reward. So, looking at Colossians 3, verse 23. Okay, verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily. Colossians 3, verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of person. That means no, no, matter, uh, no matter who you are. So where it says there, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. We, go, we all go to work, okay? In some form or fashion, you're going to work or you're doing something. And whatever that thing is that you're doing, it, you're doing it for God. Amen. If we can get to the point of realizing that what I'm doing here, I'm doing this for God, man is secondary. You know, because we look for the praises of people so much. You know, and we forget about really it's God we're doing this thing for. If you are a child of God, then that means that what you're doing uh, in everything that we do is for God. It's not for other people, okay? So that's another source of disappointment because we feel that we're not living up to the expectations of people. Amen? And that's not, not who we should be living up, up, up to, looking for, you know? I mean, we all like to be liked. I mean, that's all fine and well and good. But the bottom line is, am I pleasing God, you know? And that is so important in dealing with people because many times people will ask us, will ask things of us, will put us into a, in a position to make a decision or to say or to do something. And many times we look at pleasing them instead of pleasing God. Amen? We look at pleasing man more than pleasing God. 
So we have to get to the point when someone is asking something of you or wanting you to participate or to do something or to be someplace. And if there's some question there, then you should say, well, what would God want me to do? Amen. I'm going to do what God would have me to do because I'm looking to please God, not to please man. We can't be men pleasers. We can't be men pleasers. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that we go disobeying our bosses. You know, your boss says that to go file this and you go burn it. I mean, you know, we, well, obviously we, we can't do that, you know. But what we're looking at, though, is we're looking to do, if we're doing our jobs and we're doing things in life and dealing with people in a way that would honor God, then it should be also pleasing that person. Amen. Amen. Now, if they're not pleasing that person, then you know, I wonder who it is that they follow in life. But, but, but you know, my important thing is I'm going to please God. Amen. I want to please God. So we see there that uh, that's where it's coming from, to make sure that we're looking to, to do what we do for God and, not, and for the right reasons. Hebrew 4. Hebrew 4. Hebrew 4, verse 14. And here the scripture here tells us where we are to take our disappointment. Jesus is our great high priest and wants us to go with confidence with our prayers and requests to God. He doesn't just tell us deal with it, but cares and tells us how to take it to God in prayer so that we can have victory over our trials. So Hebrews 4, verse 14. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Please underline, hold fast. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, underline boldly, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, that means to bring it to God. Jesus, as it says in verse, verse uh, 15, we don't have a high priest who couldn't be touched with the same feeling of our infirmities or challenges, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is quite aware of the things that we have going on in our lives. Jesus knows the issues that we come up with. Jesus knows and understands the things that, we, that come our way. So what this is saying here is that we don't have a high priest, we don't have a God that when we go to him with a prayer, and you're saying, Lord, I'm coming boldly to you, you know, but Lord, I don't understand how I'm going to get to work Monday. I didn't get that car. We have a God that says, you don't have the car? Why are you, what do you think, huh? What does that mean? What do you, what do you mean you think you can't get to work? Has no feeling, has no understanding of what it is that we're wrestling with, you see. The reason that, one of the reasons that God sent Jesus here in the form of a human being was because the demonstration here was that I'm going to come and step down and put myself in the human form, okay? And I'm going to go through all that you can go through as a human being, yet still I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to crumble. Jesus slept. Jesus had to eat. He got hungry. He required sleep, okay? And the Bible doesn't get into many of the other temptations and things that, that he went through. But as a man, as a human being, he was tempted by the same things that we're tempted with. Amen? He had the same desires, the same things. But yet still, Jesus was able to constrain himself and say, no, I'm not going to give in and fall prey to that. I'm not going to sin, okay? And, I, and, and the same thing with the disappointments. So God understands the disappointments that come into our, into our life. So it's not like we're talking to someone who has no idea of what we're talking about, you know? You know, 
one might say that you know if you went to our, um, if you went to an extremely rich person who always had money was born with the proverbial silver spoon in their mouth always had money and you go there and you say well gee whiz you know I don't know how I'm going to get to work that filthy rich person might not even you don't know how you're going to get to work what do you mean you don't know how you're going to get to work. You may even say, what's work? <laughs> they say, what's work? You know, but how you, how, you don't have four cars. Take one of your four cars. How you, what do you mean? Have no idea what it would take, what it would be like for you to be concerned about struggling to get to work. Because that person is so far removed. Because they're so rich. They have, they're so far removed. They don't know what it means to have to think about going to work. Amen? Well, what if we had a God that was like that, that when you went to prayer with him, he had no idea what you were talking about because God is so lofty, so busy being so lofty up here that he's God, he's so out of touch that he can't answer your prayer or can't understand why you're concerned. But what this is saying to us is that Jesus knows what, why we're concerned. So it's not like we're going to a God where our prayers and our disappointments are going to fall on deaf ears because God gets it, because God gets it, okay? So that's what you've got to remember. Okay, whatever this thing is, I can go to my God boldly because knowing that God wants me to do that. I don't have to go with my head down low and, and dragging my arm. Um, Father, pop, 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 are you there? Are you there? Can I come in? Can I come in? It says to go boldly before, before the throne. Okay? And why is that boldly? Why can we do that boldly? Because we're his children. We're his children. Okay? We are his inheritors. We have the right, according to God, to go before him and to ask, you know? The Lord knows here that all of us who have youngsters, be they your own kids or nephews or whatever, if they want some candy or some money, how do they come at you? Amen. Do they come at you? Um, um, please, with the eyes closed, please, can I have, can I have, can I have something to eat, can I have a food? You know, you know, my gosh, I can't, I can't keep donuts in my house for two couple, the two couple of grandchildren I have just coming there eating up my donuts all the time, okay? And I'll come home and I'll say, well, where happened to the donuts? And time, time my wife will say, say, oh, Ellie ate them, Chloe ate them, or whatever. And they didn't come there, you know, wimpy and asking, you know, Poppy, Poppy, can I have? No, they just went on and said, Nina, can I have a donut? Can I have a Just give me a donut, you know? And they tell me that to my face. Poppy, I'll eat your donuts when I get back to the house. But they tell me that all the time. Amen, amen, amen. So this is kind of us like with God. They don't feel that they have to come begging to me and afraid to say that I'm going to eat it or drink my juices. You know, they just come and they say boldly, this is what I'm going to do when I come to your house. You see? And, and, and I love that because they know I'm not going to deny them. They know that. Amen? But we have to think about the same thing with God the Father. God loves us, okay? And he knows what it is that we're struggling with, you know? I know their kids. I know they love sweets. I know they love the juices and whatnot. We have to constrain them sometimes. Their moms and dads constrain them. You know, but if they had their way, they would just come and take it all. But because they feel relaxed enough, they know we love them enough that they can do that. Well, this is where God wants us to be. You've got that thing in your life. Go boldly to the throne. You don't have to go there cowardly go to God. You go respectfully, but you go boldly to the throne. Amen. Knowing that God is going to, is going to listen to you and hear what it is and understand what it is that you're praying, you're asking for. James 5. James 5. Praise God. James 5. Now, now, this is talking about prayer here. Prayer is a powerful weapon in the defeat of discouragement and disappointment. James tells us here that prayer of, of a righteous person has great power. Another word for power is energy. 
and it shows that our prayers will be heard and will be working. We, we may not always get what we hope for in our prayers, but they will be heard and God will give us what we need. Amen? So verse number 16, chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another. Um, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer, please in the line, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So here we see that effective fervent. This is, this is powerful prayer. This is like, you know, can you imagine how excited you would be in, in talking about something, you know, if someone did something wrong against you or came um, into your house, you know, and, and, and started walking out with your flat screen TV. You, you know, you would be fervently after that person. You know, where are you going? That's my TV. What are you, nuts? And, you know, and you'd be fervently, you, you know, you know and, 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 and it would have some power behind it because this is yours. Well, well the fervent, fervent prayers is going to God really with your spirit and crying out to him and saying that this is the situation. This is what needs to be done. This is what I'm asking for, Lord. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. Now, that being righteous, obviously, we can't be wallowing in sin, you know, and going here to God and everything. Just when something goes wrong, we need to make sure that we're being right with God. But that prayer is a powerful thing. Prayer here and, and fervent is, is a powerful, you know, it means strong, powerful energy, energy with it. Go to John, 1 John, little John. 1 John 5. John here reminds us that God hears us. Um, in other words, God has not forgotten about you, even though it may seem like it or feel like it. He sees what you are going through. He hears your prayers. He wants us to ask him all of our needs, wants, concerns, worries, gripes, hardships, etc. God is a great God, and he hears you. And, and that's an awesome thing to remember. So John, 1 John 5, and let's go to verse 13. John 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if you ask anything according to his name, his will, he hears us. Okay? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. All right? So you have to remember that, that this is the confidence, verse 14, please underline, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his name, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, so, so first of all, you've got to know that if you're praying to God about something, that God hears you. Okay? You have to believe and know that, that he hears you. All right. If you got that disappointment that's come into your life, you, you, you cry out to the Lord. He sees your, your disappointment. He sees what's happening with you. And you have to believe that God hears you. You know, now you have to also know that if God hears you, you know, how many of us know people that when you talk to them, they act like they're totally oblivious to what this, to what you're saying. In other words, they ignore you. OK. Either looking around and like they don't even hear what you're saying. Okay, kids can do that sometimes too. You know, like they act like they don't hear you, you know. Well, guess what? God is not like that. God hears us. God hears us. Amen. So the other thing where the devil will get in and turn disappointment to that downward spiral of discouragement is to make you believe that God is not hearing you. 
Okay? Alright? The devil will say to you, did you get a response? You know? You were just on your knees for an hour. And one hour you're in there in your knee, on your knees in prayer to God. Did you hear the wind? Did the Venetian blinds start rattling? Did your floor vibrate? You know, start telling you all these things where you should have been looking and listening for some response from God. Did you hear angelic, angelic trumpets blowing while you were on your knees praying to God? Well, guess what? God didn't hear you, okay? And you have to know that even though, you know, there may be times in your life that you will hear God audibly. There may be times in your life where you hear the rustling of angels' wings when you're in prayer. I've certainly heard both over the many, many years. But every single time I pray to God, I don't hear that. Every single time I pray to God, I don't hear the rustling of angels' wings or hear his voice audibly. But at times I do when he needs me to hear that. All right? So just don't believe that just because you're not hearing some audible or visual response from God that he's not hearing you. If you've got a disappointment going on in your life and you're praying to him, you've got to believe, believe, believe deep in your spirit that God hears what you're crying out to him concerning. Okay? And, and this confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Okay? And then once you know he, hear, he hears you, then you have to just sit back and relax knowing that God is going to deal with this somehow. Somehow, I don't know how he's going to deal with it, you know, but you've got to believe that whatever it is that he, however he deals with it, is going to be something good for you, because all things work together for good, okay? And just in, in closing, I just want to say here that if you are, if you are experiencing uh, disappointment or discouragement in your, in your life today on any front, please don't try to go through whatever you're facing alone. Don't try and do it alone, okay? If there's anything in your life that's disappointing you and it's really weighing you down, do not go through it alone. Um, talk to God. Talk to another believer, someone that you can really trust and that you know is, is, a, is a good, strong Christian, someone that's well-grounded in the Word, you know? And, and pray, and, and if need be, have that person even pray with you. You know, we all need someone that we can trust and pray with, you know, and, and give God uh, and, and give God the, the glory by trusting that he's going to do what needs to be done. You know, and if you go, if you have a disappointment in life, sometimes it's good to talk to someone, a human being, but make sure it's someone like, again, that, that, that's godly and someone that you can trust and someone that's going to give you some words of encouragement. You know, there are some people in life that I call negative Nancys. I don't care what it is you say to them. They always got a negative confession, everything you say. Yes, they're still they're Christians, but they still just don't know how to say the right thing. I mean, maybe they're not, they're not believing the scripture that, that says about always saying things of edification, building people up. And if you don't have a good thing to say, then maybe just try keeping your mouth shut. But if you have a, if you have a disappointment, you know, try finding somebody you can talk to to give you some good words of encouragement and wisdom. And wisdom. You don't want to go talking to someone that's going to give you something that's unwise to do. You know, that's going to give you something that's going to get you into more trouble than what you're already in or more difficulty. God does not want you disappointed or discouraged, but wants us to live lives that are victorious. Trials and hardships will come our way throughout our lives, but you've got to remember that God is truly with you. Jesus said that you will have trials and tribulations. You will have tribulation in this world, but he has come to overcome the world. So that means that Jesus is greater than anything that could come into your life. All right? So right now, while when that disappointment, when that disappointment hits, while it might seem like this is the most challenging thing, it's too mind-boggling, I don't see a way out of this, God does. 
God does, you know. And then you can get to the point of simply giving it to God and just telling yourself that I'm not going to worry about this any longer. I'm going to give it to God. That's when you'll feel this peace descend upon you. I'm telling you, it'll be a peace because it'll feel like there's a, 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 a weight literally lifted off your shoulders. You, you, you may give a, catch, your, catch yourself giving a, a deep sigh of relief where you're just expelling all of this weight you've been carrying around, and then just give it to God, you know. And when the devil comes back and tries to re-whisper into your ear, reminding you about that disappointment and, and reminding you about how it's futile, where you're going is just not going to be worked out at all, rebuke that thought, rebuke him in the name of Jesus, and then just begin to move on from there. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.